Hi, this is Bill. And this is Honest Thoughts. And we are the Uncommonwealth Podcast. Keep in mind, we say bad words during our episode, so watch, <laughs> so watch around. Uh, watch out who you're listening around. Oh, Bill, I can't, I can't handle that sound. That's just so unnatural. <laughs> I feel like the Budweiser frogs. Yeah. Yeah. Budweiser. We're going to do something that's a little... A little somber, not really yeah, a, a big... kind of our first foray into a true crime topic. Yeah, something I never actually realized happened in the state yeah, it's, at all. It was a big deal. It's a high-profile case, realistically, but uh, as I was talking to people about it at work and just kind of in general this week, uh, a lot of people don't know about this anymore, uh, or at least people our age maybe don't realize it because we were so young when it happened, but it was, it was a big deal. Yeah, I mean, it's got all the makings of a high drama film. I mean, it, it was. And, and it was. <laughs> it was a huge, I think, I don't know if it won any Oscars. But it, was it was definitely, definitely nominated. Something in the conversation. Um, but it doesn't seem like a real kind of event when you have a yeah. mega millionaire committing a terrible murder. Right. So it off that, uh, we are talking today about the Fox Scudger Farm murder when John DuPont murdered uh, Olympic wrestler Dave Schultz. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, you know, I've, I'm not a big wrestling guy, but I know I, you I, are. I wrestled sixth grade through my senior year of high school. Um, wasn't very good, but <laughs> I enjoyed it for the most part. You know, it's as much as you enjoy it. Wrestling's weird. You don't, it's not one of those ones where it's like super fun to do when you're training or compete. Well, when you're competing, it is, but you're, you're literally kicking the shit out of each other. Right. You, they always say like, you gotta be a little crazy to wrestle or just like really determined and dave schultz was that kind of guy yeah he was known as a, as a really fierce fighter i didn't he get yeah. a couple well, uh they they always called him like the hippie of wrestling because he his personality was just like real laid back easy going kind of guy but when he got on the mat he was like a switch flipped and he was just a ter- terminator out there basically destroying people yeah and sadly he was murdered by a an person, actual crazy person. An actual crazy person with a famous family last name. Yeah. And uh, everything in Wilmington, Delaware is named after them. Yeah. I mean, and he, he was also a very big supporter of the sport itself. And it's it's such it's it's like having it's, Jerry Jones shoot down uh I don't know, Troy Aikman or something. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, it is it's wild. Yeah, actually, yeah, that's a good good way to put that because especially for wrestling, like it's not one of the big sports. It's even though it's ancient. It, it's very niche. But it is niche. And it's like the south, some of the southwest, some of the west or midwest, and then like the northeast wrestles, and that's about it. And it, not across the the world, but that's in the U.S. And this and this we'll get into this when we talk about Dupont. Mm-hmm. Football's popular everywhere. Baseball's right. pretty popular everywhere. It's a lot of money. Basketball, in, a lot of money in both. Those. Soccer's yeah. become big now too. Wrestling doesn't generate the money like the others, and you don't have to have money to do it. Like. Mm-hmm. And that's something like Dupont's mom didn't like, which we're going to get into. But it's you see a lot of a lot of poorer areas wrestle. Yeah, I guess because because low cost of entry, kind of oh, you just need you just need, you need a, is, a soft place to do it. And yep. then, I mean, mats can cost thousands of yeah. dollars. I mean, Resolite in my hometown is actually the largest mat producer in the world. Yeah, just do some wrestling in the grass, right? Like it, it's it's I've, it's an accessible, I've wrestled in grass. very accessible sport. Yeah, and I, all you need is a pair of wrestling shoes and headgear, and most coaches keep boxes of the stuff yeah. to give to kids who you know can't afford it. So this was definitely a big event in that community. That it definitely yeah. shook it. Yeah, because they had a supporter who was giving millions of dollars to the yeah. organizations. Did you did you ever watch the film? 
I haven't watched the film. I've been meaning to for like four years. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's just one of those ones that kind of slipped by me somehow. Uh, um, it's definitely one of those like movies that are made for Oscars. But you know, it's, yeah. But they said it's amazing. Yeah, I've it's, heard it's really, really good. Steve um, Carell's fantastic nose prosthetic. That's like, pretty good. Yeah. Are they like, I was. We were talking before we recorded. Like, Mark Schultz, brother of Dave, mm. watched it and was like shaken because Steve Carell's portrayal was so accurate. Yeah, it's pretty wild. I, I did a couple of Google image searches just because I wanted to see the property itself mm-hmm. and just want to get some images because it was in the news. Uh, when you know, because there was a I was always later, but there was a standoff. So whenever you have that kind of event happening, it's always passed over right. the news. And I kept looking for Google images, and I couldn't tell from a distance just from my by quick. By quick glance, I couldn't tell which ones were from the film and, and which, which ones were, were real life because yeah. it was it was and done they did so a really well. Good job. Um, yeah. Should should we get into it now? Yeah, let's let's get into it. We've kind of beaten around the bush here. Yeah, let's let's go right for the kill. Is that a uh, is that a wrestling term? Mm, What's the wrestling term for that? I don't know if there's not one. really. You just go for the kill. Go go pin him. Go go pin him. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, John Dupont. Uh, he was born on November twenty second, nineteen thirty eight, in Philadelphia. And he was the youngest, um, youngest of William Dupont's four children. Yeah, um, he was a William Dupont was a big name in the thoroughbred racing business. Yeah, they, that's what the farm was built for, right? Yeah, that's exactly what it was built for. And uh, obviously, the the fame and last name. Uh, right. We all know Dupont uh, businesses. Yeah, you know, Dupont Circle. Yeah, in DC, I, I think that's the same family. That, I think so. It's got to be. Come yeah, on. yeah. I mean, basically, the, the, they rule Delaware, and they rule a lot of the. Um, the Eastern Seaboard. I mean, the, the chemical business is just huge. They were Pennsylvania royalty, realistically. I mean, they were, I, or I guess there's probably there's still family. There's like there's right. I think three thousand remaining yeah. of people from family, obviously yeah. far the connections. But uh, John Dupont was the great great uh, grandson of um, I. It's a crazy French name. I'm not even gonna attempt it. <laughs> but it's the, the Dupont. Um, I our French listeners are gonna be so disappointed. Yeah, I'm not even also, gonna attempt. Shout that. out to all our international listeners. Yeah. Um, that's really cool, guys. Uh, it makes us real happy to every time we pull up our map and we're like, oh, oh my there, God. there's Poland, you know. Yeah, there's, there's the UK and France and Germany and Sweden. Yeah, it's um, pretty wild stuff. We we appreciate it. Yeah, but um, we can't pronounce French names though. So that's no, I took German and so yeah, did you. I, yeah, <laughs> so. so if that was a German name, we'd be able to do it, but. But John Dupont lived on an 800-acre estate. It was um, Lysiter Hall Farm. Is that how you would say that, Bill? I, I think so. Yeah, L-I-S-E-T-E-R. I think it's. I think that's. Either way, it's it's a beauty. It was actually uh, modeled after um, the Washington's estate in Montpelier. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure it was modeled after that. So it's it's a really beautiful uh, state there, and um, you know he he had a he had a rough life uh, as as. As you would if uh, you're a multimillionaire, right? Person. He, was, he, he was talked isolated. about that in interviews and stuff. It's kind of because they're like, "What are the advantages?" And he's like, "There's lots of advantages." They're like, "What about a disadvantage?" He's like, "Everybody's out to get your money." Yeah, he was, he was a paranoid dude, um, and you know, he, he comes from a divorced family. Right. Divorced when he was young, and like two? He, he, when he was two years old, yeah. And he um, he was fairly isolated from the community. You know, yeah, he would go he, to school. He went to Haverford School, I believe. Okay. For like prep school, but he didn't really have. The ability to go make connections with people his age. Yeah, he didn't have friends. He didn't have a peer group. Uh, no, he just he just had his his mom, family, yeah, his mom, mm-hmm. and that comes into play much later on when um, in, his, yeah. in his older life too. But he, you know, he had that rough, sad, preppy life, and he went to Penn for college. Right. But he left before his freshman year finished. Uh, he actually went down south to Ma- the University of Miami to finish his undergrad in '65, and he completed a degree in zoology. Not what I would have expected. No, not at all. 
Uh, but I mean, he he was he was definitely a, a well-educated man. Not like he needed. He didn't need to be. He didn't need, <laughs> but to, he didn't need yeah, to go there. But just... he could just coast for his life. But you know, yeah. he he completed his doctorate in 1973 at Villanova. Woo! Uh, hooray, Bill! We called it Villanova. Villanova. <laughs> yeah, but he he became a huge figure in Villanova's um yeah you know history I mean he he donated a lot of money oh, a ton of money a lot of money to there he um and we'll talk about that a little later but he basically created the wrestling team for Villanova yeah um, didn't last very long but no did. it did not and he oh, also it, d- it doesn't exist now <laughs> no <laughs> and he was partially the reason why it doesn't exist actually that's yeah that's true yeah. um he also I think he they named the swimming center after him for a minute the swimming center yeah oh yeah I mean I I, I wouldn't be surprised I know they um he actually had a big hand in the basketball yeah, stadium, the arena. Million. But in any event, he, he did get his doctorate. Uh, I I actually didn't look into what exactly the doctorate was in. I'm, I'm assuming it was some probably, sort of zoological probably more zoological, thing. Yeah. But, you know, he, he obviously had a lot of Philosophy. money. <laughs> do, you think, do you think so? No, it's uh, probably, it probably it was a zoological thing. He was, it was a science type guy. Yeah. Uh, he, he, was a, he was an orthonologist. So he actually wrote four. Wait, could, he was a what? Orthonologist? Ornithologist. Orno- ornithologist. Gotcha. Thank you, Bill. I, well, he was an orthodontist. <laughs> he's, he's real obsessed with teeth. It was real weird. He's, he went. He, he, just like, had, he had a collection of them. He had a necklace of baby teeth. Teeth for, his, for animals. He said his mother kept them, and then he just he wore them. He's, he called them mother's pearls. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's really creepy. Yeah, Why yeah. would I say that? I don't know. Well, he liked his birds, so you know that's birds like are kind of creepy, dude. I've yeah. seen a, a psycho. I'm just or not psycho. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, no, the bird, the birds. Well, the birds attack too. Of the birds, right? Yeah, no, the birds, but also psycho. Like he had all the taxidermied animals. Ah, yes, like yes, a, yes. An eagle or something. It's yeah. real creepy. My parents have a taxidermied owl. It's really cool. My first thought was, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Mike Tyson pigeons. <laughs> like that was just big, God big guy it. doing coo coo coo. <laughs> Uh, Except but, he was not a big guy. No, but I mean, he he wrote books. He was he was yeah. committed to it, you know. And uh, he in 1972, so right before he finished his doctorate, he actually founded the Delaware Museum of Natural History. This is really cool. Yeah. So he, he yeah, I mean, he had a boatload of money, but he was out right. there trying to well, everybody add value. Everybody who met him said they liked him. Like he was just generous and would just give and give and give. Yeah. And that's what makes what happened so much. Like it was shocking. Yeah. I, <laughs> The, the that that uh you know thing you see all the time with murders is I never would have thought this guy would That's have true. done it you know yeah he's... you're right they always say like we were best friends I could never envision this yeah you know? he did it though <laughs> but yeah, it, it goes it goes to show the power of the human mind and the fact that right. he did have some problems uh, but he he had a lot of interests like obviously yeah. he yeah. was really big into um, into animals he was really big into uh, zoology. He was really into athletics. And yeah, almost obsessively so. Yeah. Well, I would say obsessively so. No, well, he, he did the, he was a, a pentathlete. Is that how Yeah, pentathlete. Pen, I mean, that alone, that's such an intense. It's very intense. Way to go in yeah. athletics. And he went, he went full bore into it, you know. And on the estate, he had a, he had a course set up for it. He had a, he even had a shooting range as a part of that too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but one of his big loves, you know, he, he did swimming as well. Uh, he was, he was, um. He went to the Santa Clara Swim Club in California a bunch of times in his youth, uh, and he would swim. He would be around Olympic caliber people, right? Like that's one of the premier training facilities in the world. Yeah, and he had access to it because of his name. Yeah, but his biggest uh, passion in athletics, though, was arguably wrestling. He loved it. He was a, he loved wrestling. Yeah, and as you mentioned before, it was a cause of stress within within himself, within in context of his family. Yeah, it, and a bit of an identity crisis. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he didn't really fit into the country club aesthetic. He wasn't the he wasn't the big golf guy. He wasn't the right. big tennis guy. He likes shooting. He likes and that's shooting. that's country club aesthetic to a degree. Yeah. Um, but wrestling is not. Wrestling is very much a, a guys guys real masculine mm-hmm. centric sport. You know, and and women wrestle too. Yeah. But you had to be dirty. You had to be in. You had to be yeah, in close right. contact. It, it's right, and it is dirty. Like people think it's not a smart sport, which isn't accurate at all. Mm. But it's it's gritty, it's nasty, it's in your face, constant pressure, right? Um, and it's strategic as well, too. Though. Right? You yeah, have to, you have to know exactly sure. what you're doing. So it, it you have to know weights and balances and intuitively to a degree. But I know not how to not break the rules. Yeah, you gotta you gotta play within a boundary. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it was it was something he loved and something his family did not love. Right. But you know, as we mentioned, as we touched on a little bit, he. Did you love his money to donate to Villanova? And he yeah, actually founded the wrestling program in 1986, which only lasted for two years, yep. largely due to his own uh, fault. He he was the head coach of that team. Right. Which probably wasn't great. He, he was not a very good wrestler. Yeah, I mean... We'll get it, into that. Yeah, it's... It, again, back to Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones is not a very good football <laughs> guy. Yeah. You know, he's, he's not... He shouldn't be the... The GM of the of the, of the Dallas Cowboys, <laughs> but, but he is. is, and I love it because he makes him terrible. Yep. But it's the same concept where I'm so committed and I love this sport so much because Jerry loves the sport. Yeah. You know, John Dupont loves the sport. He probably shouldn't be the guy masterminding it. You know. No, probably not. Money behind it, sure. Yeah, and that money got him in trouble. So he, yes, it did. He would he would take his players on his private jet, and players. he would. His, uh, wrestlers, wrestlers, sorry, his, yeah. his wrestlers. Yeah, I was stuck in the, the football Jerry Jones yeah. things. But he, you know, he would take his wrestlers on his private jet. He would give them gifts. He would have them stay on his massive estate on, you can't on do away that things, shit. and like it's lavish shit. Dude. I mean, you, you get people that get, get slapped on the wrist, and more than slapped on yeah. the wrist for like selling for getting tattoos, for getting or... a tattoo for free. Yeah, let alone getting on a private jet. You know, it's like what the fuck. <laughs> so he. That's... He's, just a whole other mindset. Yeah, this he is had the norm. So much money. This is the norm. He's like, these are just. I'm just taking care of my people. Why wouldn't I take them on my private jet right. to go to? If they went on like, um, uh, like like retreats that were in yeah. really expensive places, and it, you kind of feel bad for him because he is obviously committed. A to little, it. yeah. He, he's kind of a pathetic figure, honestly. Yeah. He, well, just just from looking at just reading through about him. It looks like he used his resources as a way to build connections, yeah. as kind of like an icebreaker, as a way to build friends. Absolutely. Because, I mean, there's, I think I read somewhere that, in, I didn't see the film, uh, Foxcatcher, the, mm-hmm. the drama, uh, but it's mentioned that one of the lines is, um, there's a story about Steve Carell's you know, character, uh, John DuPont, yeah. talking about how his mom actually had to pay to have people come in and pretend to be friends. Yeah. And that kind of stuff, it's pathetic. It's a it, perfect it, way to put it, yeah. though. It's really sad. Yeah, but you know they had to drop him. Those are clearly NCAA, uh, yeah, you know, you violations. Shit. You can't do that. But he managed to donate in other ways as well. Uh, he, as I mentioned, he paid for the pavilion, and he also had it named after him. They yeah. dropped the name. Yeah, under, understandably. I'm really glad about that. Yeah, i It's it now. Like I've been in that building a couple times. Now it, it feels a little weird thinking about it. Yeah, but I mean, it, but, it definitely is. But he also, also been in Beaver Stadium and. That yeah, that's that. Too. I wasn't I wasn't thinking of that. I was thinking more along the lines of like a lot of good came out of that building. It's true, you know, really national helped. championships. National championships. I mean, fuck you, Bill. Woo. But you know, that's that, that's that's a good, go Nova, go Nova. Go Cats. Wait, I'll tell you what they 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 don't they got them basketball skills. I don't know why I'm speaking like yeah, that. It's people, not a Southern school. Yeah, what? <laughs> I don't. 
it's because goddamn Steve Kern and I, whenever we do sports talk, we always drop to a stupid Southern accent. Oh, like, like a NASCAR dude? Kind of, yeah. Like R- Ricky Bobby? Like, tell you what, Johnny Manziel, Lauren Savior of football, him and Timmy Tebow. Are we going to talk about, do we talk about the man, Baker Mayfield? I'm a fan. Dude, you look like little Brett Favre out there. I know, I'm a fan. Ooh. All right, so to back up, let's, let's go back to, to this great drama. So he couldn't be a coach he couldn't he couldn't, couldn't be a, he couldn't be a program leader for nova so right. he, he just decided, became a booster he became he was a booster he, yeah. he became a booster and then he went back into into wrestling by the creation right. of the Foxcatcher national training center which was a world-class athletic facility that was dedicated to you know recruiting and have developing looked, the top wrestlers in the country have you looked at any of like pictures or videos of the facility not videos i've seen some stills i mean it looks it, nice Full weight training center, yeah. full medical staff there. Yeah. Uh, you know, if a, he had, a full mat room. If he had the technology, he would have had like the the. Oh, he would have had. He would have had crazy TVs. He would have yep. had like the 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 monitors that they have now. Have him running in the treadmills in the water and stuff. Yeah, he would have done all that shit. Yeah, it, as as it was, he had them living there. Yeah, I mean, it, well, the the whole building was it cost around six hundred thousand dollars, and it was built on his estate, mm-hmm. and that's a lot of money, you know, for for a big building when you think about it. Yeah, uh, it, it's 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 kind of a, f- a wrestling factory, if you will. Absolutely, it's a warehouse that churns out world caliber wrestlers. Yeah, well, when his um, so when his his mother to, to go, uh, I forgot to mention this a little earlier, but his mother after the divorce when he was very young, yeah, uh, she still maintained. A Lysiter farm, right? Like she owned it, and yeah. and pretty much. Well, I think he ran it. Yeah, he, he he ran it, but she she was still the owner. And then when she passed away in 1988, he gained obviously full control of it, and he renamed the whole property Foxcatcher Farm. Right. Um. And you, I think you mentioned this earlier as well, but it, it the name comes from uh, his father's um horse racing yeah facility. Yeah. He just took the name as a rant. Like it's a pretty cool name. It's, it's a cool name. Um, um now it has all kinds of conversations lot, around yeah, it. Yeah. A lot of sad stuff. But uh let's talk about a wrestler or some wrestlers that came through yeah, the program. So, so there were tons of like I said, world class wrestlers that went through there. Dan Gable was there, Kale mm-hmm. Sanderson, Dan Shade was there, and these guys are like some of the cream of the crop. Yeah. Not known outside of <laughs> The wrestling community well, as much, maybe. It's it's still the, um, the Kurt, top... Kurt Angle, who, like... Oh, uh, from, from the WWF or WWE? Yeah. yeah. He, um, he was a real wrestler first, um, and he trained there. Um, he was one of the ones who got out. There's some weird... They've, you should watch the uh, documentaries and stuff. Yeah. They have some really weird stories. But he brought in, like, guys from Bulgaria and stuff. Mm. And Well, that comes in later, uh, towards the end of his life, with a, a Bulgarian wrestler. Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah, pretty crazy. With we'll, uh, Vina. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. yeah that, it's, 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 it's quite the, quite the place. Quite it's, the it's, yeah, it's quite odd. Um, but so two of these brothers that came in, or two of these guys that came in were Dave and Mark Schultz. Mm. And as some of these wrestlers were describing it in the documentary I watched on Netflix, which I really recommend, it was really good, it was... Um, I texted it to Foxcatcher. Fox, it's right? just Foxcatcher yeah. uh, Farm or something like that. But regardless, a lot of them said, you know, like USA Wrestling called them up. USA Wrestling is the organization that oversees like Olympic training, right. world training, stuff like that. They were like, "Hey, we've got this donor. He wants. He's building this facility." And they, a lot of them were like, "Oh, I don't know." And they said, "Well, Dave Schultz is involved." And that's when a lot of them were like, "Oh." He's like a big draw. He's a big draw. So and, I, the way I think of it is like having the MLS bring in like Slatan Ibrahimovic or yeah, yeah, uh, like exactly. a big name, David Beckham, just yeah. just get people to look at him. Uh, that is actually kind of, but Dave was still very active at this point as a wrestler. Okay. Um, so I'm just going to go quick through his background. I background. Guess, yeah. 
Um, he was born June 6th in 1959 uh, in Palo Alto, California. Actually, as a kid, Dave was overweight and was bullied by classmates uh, for his weight and appearance. They called him Pudge. Dickhead kids. Dude, kids are so mean. It's so terrible. They're so fucking terrible. Hey, raise your kids to not be bullies. Like, yeah. it's not hard to be kind. Yeah, it's it's a simple thing to do. Just don't, yeah. don't teach them to be dicks. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like, that's people sad. are sensitive. Um, he had dyslexia. A lot of his teachers thought he, he actually had mental disabilities because of it. So, like, they always talk about, like, how goofy he was. And I wonder how much of that was, like, a defense mechanism. Probably. probably. But he started wrestling in junior high school, like, 7th or 8th grade. Then he went to Palo Alto High School. He won the state California State Championship in 1977. That's also the year he won his first national and international titles. Nice. That's that's fucking unreal. So he kind of shot up there yeah. right away. <laughs> All of a sudden he was like, oh, this guy's really good at wrestling. Yeah. And then he went off to college, right? Yeah. Um, he was a three-time NCAA All-American. Uh, he was one time at Oklahoma State University, and then he transferred uh, to... You know, University of Oklahoma, and he was twice, uh, two times. Is that is that like a, is that like a hotbed of of wrestling? The Oklahoma? Oklahoma, yeah. It seems like I would never move from California to Oklahoma. Sorry, people from Oklahoma. No, <laughs> you but know, that's but fair. So it's like, a hotbed, though. There's certain there's certain schools that you associate with excellent wrestling. Penn State's one of them. Penn State's one of them. Now they were always like pretty decent, but now they're on top. Powerhouse. Um, Iowa has always been one of the best. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, uh, usually Ohio State, hmm. Minnesota. Is really good. So basically, Big Ten schools. Yeah, it's, a, it's say, a Midwestern and Northeast. Yeah, and also you got to have a big school to be able to fund it because it's well, football is always one, basketball is number two, and then you don't actually because huh? at, at nationals a lot of times you get guys from like American Cornell, uh, Colgate, like okay, Lehigh is a wrestling factory. Really? Yeah, Bucknell. Okay, so there goes my my theory then. Yeah, <laughs> wrestling's a, the team can be bad, but you as an individual can be. So it's kind of like a crapshoot then, I guess. No, yeah. crapshoot is the wrong word, but it's like depends on the investment. You need to yep. hit one, and then your program's on top, I guess. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, not one. It. you got to hit a couple A couple, guys, but... In 1982, he won the 167-pound national championship. Uh, he, defe- he defeated Mike Sheets from OK State uh, in tie- by tiebreaker in overtime. But that's, like, that's tough. It's hard to do. Right. His collegiate career was 91-8. and eight. That's nice. That's really fucking Damn. good. He was thirty and four at OSU, and then sixty one and four at uh, Oklahoma. Wow, he really turned it up in Oklahoma. Yeah, wow. Yeah, he tore it up. And then World and Olympics, he won ten senior national titles, hmm. eight in freestyle and two in Greco Roman. This was over a nineteen year span. So, like ten out of nineteen years—that's uh, <laughs> really impressive. Wow. Uh, in nineteen eighty three, he won the world championship. Nineteen eighty four, he won the Olympic gold medal. So he won a gold medal. Wow. Yep. He defeated Martin Nosp of the Federal Republic of Germany in the 74-kilogram weight class. He won four World Cups and two Pan American game titles. He's the only American ever to twice win the prestigious tournament in, I believe it's oh, Belize. The, the capital Georgia? of Georgia? Yeah. I think it, yeah. The, the country, Georgia. Man, we're so bad at this pronunciation. I, I, I believe it's Belize. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll take your um, word for it. I won't, I won't even attempt but it. But <laughs> it's a lot of wrestling experts consider it to be the most difficult tournament in the world. Hmm. And so, yeah, the only one to ever win it twice. Really? From America. That's amazing. Yeah. Even to this day? Yeah. Wow. Uh, he was a seven time world and Olympic medalist. That's, yeah, I mean, it's, the, the it's dude a, was it's good. A hot, yeah. Wow. I mean, when you. When you watch videos, like the way you move, they were just, I mean, all these guys were just fucking monsters. They're so goddamn strong so and you could, fast. You could see why John DuPont wanted this guy so bad right. to be at his program. Because he's, he's the cream he's of the crop. One of the, one of the, one of the names in the Yeah, the one of the community. names in the sport. 
And John loved nothing more than having big names around him. Yeah. And being a big name alongside those guys. We're, we're going to get into that. So alongside his brother Mark uh, and the Banach brothers, they were the first American brothers to earn uh, or to win, excuse me, gold medals in the same Olympics. And the only American brothers to win both world and Olympic championships. It's pretty cool. So they're both really good. (laughs) Good genes. Yeah, right? So he then went on and served as an assistant coach at University of Oklahoma, Stanford, and University of Wisconsin-Madison at various points. And he was helping to train the 1996 Olympic team when he was murdered. Uh, And he was specifically working with Kurt Angle, who also won a gold medal. And then he began coaching for Team Foxcatcher in the 90s. Uh, his brother Mark was also at Foxcatcher. Mm-hmm. He didn't have quite the relationship with John that Dave did. Uh, from what I've researched and heard, Dave and John were like friends. They spent Christmas together. They spent Thanksgiving together. His wife Nancy rem- recalled a phone call John made down to their house from the main house. They called it the big house. Um, I, it makes me think of like yeah. Ireland with the big houses. Oh. Oh, yeah, like a feudalistic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, like they were his... That's wild, yeah. I mean, they all live there. It's vassals like, yeah. a little bit. Oh, like property. That's kind of fucked up when you think about it. I know, but yeah. do you think he didn't think look at him that way? Because I probably did. probably did to a degree. They were his assets, I guess. Uh, yeah, or his assets, ra- assets rather is maybe the best way to look at it. Yeah. Even though he was so hungry for friends. He just, like, his mindset was so warped. Just couldn't connect with people. Um, but like he called down to the house the one time and she he was like, Hey, I don't think we have a high chair down here. Like you'll need to bring one up for dinner. We really want this to be special for you and the kids. And Nancy was like, you know, she was really touched by that. But then things turned, uh, which we're gonna get into. But Mark Schultz was born uh, October 26, nineteen sixty, so just a year later. Right. And he actually started as a gymnast, but then got into wrestling in his junior year of high school when he moved to Ashland, Oregon. I wonder how much that, that cost because of his brother being really good at it. You know, competition between brothers. Yeah, I think yeah. so. I think they had a bit of a like they were close, but a bit of a sibling rivalry. Like I know Dave helped coach Mark a lot. Well, yeah. as much as you can coach someone who's a year younger than you. Yeah. But I mean, Mark did UFC too. Oh yeah. Which, yeah, we'll get into that. But then he went back to Palo Alto after one semester. So like, I think their parents split up because mm-hmm. they have like half brothers and oh, sisters. God, yeah, that makes um, sense. But he was declared ineligible, so he finished the year with a four and six record in his junior eh, year. Mediocre. But then. He didn't win any tournaments his senior year until the state qualifiers. And then he won league, region, sections, and states. Nice. Which is like, how do you do so, that? So you went from being just a really average dude just, to just, just like un- it up. Yeah. I get like, it, it probably clicked. PEDs. Dude, he's a big dude. He's, he's a really big dude. He's kind of, he's, he's uh, I'm not gonna, they're, they're, they're still around and out there, man. He's, he's fine. The UFC, he's scary. I, I don't, I don't want to get a, um, uh, also, they a, seem a like ba- I don't want to get a bad letter from his estate or something. They, they seem like a really nice family. Yeah, they do. <laughs> like a really, really so nice. He's family. Prob- it probably just clicked, like you said. I, it probably just clicked, and that happens, like with all kinds of sports, mm. all kinds of things. Yeah, except for art for me. <laughs> Stick figured Bill. Yup. Um, he's the only California high school champ to never win a regular season tournament. Uh, it's weird. Yeah. Uh, so it's he like w- Nick Foles. <laughs> being terrible yeah, right. and then win the, and big the one Super and Bowl, then being you know average. Love you, love you, love you, Nikki. Um, Nikki Foles. <laughs> he then went to. He started school at UCLA. He went eighteen and eight there, okay. um, and then he transferred to University of Oklahoma and redshirt. So they must like they. I don't remember who was coaching there at that time, but somebody they liked from nineteen eighty one to eighty three won three NCAA championships. 
Um, his senior year, he went undefeated and set the University of Oklahoma record for most victories without a loss in a single season. Nice. He was named the Big Eight medallion winner for outstanding male student athlete. Like he's a smart dude too. Mm. I, they were both pretty smart guy, or are and were. So then he won the 1982 World Cup in Toledo. 1984 won the gold Olympic gold so medal. He was also gold medalist too. Yep. Nice. Uh, 1985 he won World Championships. He the only one only American to win in 84 and 85, and Dave was the only one to win in 83 and 84. And the the world championships in '85 were a little bit more prestigious because the Russians or the Eastern Bloc rather had was able to play. Yeah, they had protested '84, so when they were at the Worlds, uh, it was a bigger deal to win because they yeah. beat those guys who were like the best. That was part of why Dupont wanted to make Fox Country Farm. He was so sick of coming in the second place of the Russians all the time in wrestling. Really? So he so he was a big like yeah uh, Reaganist like you know oh they got, were got, they, got knew, they knew each the... other. Really? He, yeah, he knew Reagan. He knew he had his pictures with the Bushes. Yeah, I Dupont. It makes sense. Well, oh yeah, it's not shocking at all. It would be more surprising if he didn't know. Got to beat the Ruskies. Then Mark won another World Championship in '87, and as well as the Pan American Games that year. Uh, in 1991, Mark Schultz, Lee Kemp, and John Smith were recorded in the Guinness Book of World Records as the most titles won by a U.S. wrestler. Like they're all tied for that. Right. As, I don't know if that's changed since then. Hmm. 96, he took sixth place in the U.S. Summer Olympics in Seoul. And this is while he wrestled for Team Foxcatcher. Hmm. 96. Yeah. So, no, so, no, yeah, it was. So he, he went to the Olympics after, because his brother dies that year in, right. in January. So he, so he just... What year, what month? Yeah, January, January 96. January happened, yeah. So, so yeah, yeah, he went, so he wasn't actually must wrestling. must so He emotional. had been training with Team yeah. Foxcatcher. And he left because he didn't like what was going Like, a lot of them were leaving right. Foxcatcher right before... John shot Dave. Yeah, maybe it was part of the reason that happened. I well, I I, I seem to recall that it's been a while since I've watched The Prince of Pennsylvania. Right. But I seem to recall him saying that he got a weird vibe from. Yeah. From. I've heard that too. A lot, a lot of people were getting that vibe from him. And uh, some of them were like getting it firsthand, like experiences with it. But he, I, I think he called Dave and was like, you, you need to get out of there, man. And Dave was like, no, nah, it's fine. Like, everything's fine. Um, he's my friend or something like that. He, like, he never hurt us. That's so sad. And I know, I know, like, there's speculation, like, of whether DuPont had, like, sexual desires for the wrestlers and Dave specifically. I don't think so, honestly. I think he's just a paranoid. Not just a paranoid. Like, there's more to it. But I don't think it was, like, latent homosexual desires. I don't think that's fair to push on. Yeah, that could be. That's like, just too, it, too simplistic. Well, it, yeah, it, and it's assumption. Yeah, it's assumption based on nothing. And I think it's unfair to the gay community as well to like it is a little yeah. demonizing. So while they're at Foxcatcher, I'm going to talk more. This is more about John here this section than it is about the brothers. Like they're just training. Mm-hmm. They're you know, um, like I said, Mark left. He was not the only one to leave. Um, Dave stuck around and. When DuPont started it, like you said, he was obsessed with wrestling, but he wasn't allowed to do it. His mother hated it, considered it was for like the lower classes. Well, it's still a thing now, right? It's 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 still it still has that image of being oh for sure uh, not not an elitist type of thing. Sure. It's not lacrosse, you know. Yeah, it's not lacrosse. It, that's that's a great uh, comparison, you know. Even football, football is like the middle class, and then like wrestling. Mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of people kind of are like, oh, you like you wrestled because. <laughs> The the image a lot of people I know have of wrestlers is like, oh, you're out spitting a chob and 
I don't know. Spit, what was it? Spit in a chob. What does that mean? Chewing tobacco. Ah, spit in a chob. So like, a, there was a decent amount of guys I wrestled with would chew tobacco and spit to help them control their weight. Oh, okay. I just never heard the phrase chob. Oh, really? I thought you thought it was like short for Chobani or something. I was like, what? No, 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 no. Yeah, spit in a chob. <laughs> Chew. Gotcha. But stuff like that, you know. But he, he actually started Fox Country Farm, not just for wrestling, but also swimming and triathlon. But it was it was really... That was the focus. Wrestling was the yeah. focus. Uh, there's also an outdoor gun range, like you said. And the Newtown Square Police did training there. Wow. So they were real... He was real buddy-buddy with the cops. And he kind of looked at Fox Country Farm as his fiefdom. It was his little kingdom. Like, he was well-known for flying the Fox Hatcher farm above the American flag and the Pennsylvania flag. And, like, I know it didn't sit well with certain people. Like, this is Reagan era, mm-hmm. Clinton, but still, like, Cold War era until, you know, the late 80s, early 90s. Right. But. He definitely valued, valued his facility, his property. Yeah. And, and we'll get into that a little bit. So, he... <laughs> He was in his 50s when he started this facility, and he thought he wanted to be a champion wrestler. In his 50s? In his 50s. And he would enter these tournaments, and they'd take him all over the world. Like, Dave would be his coach, and he just would lose so badly. Would he play against people in his own age or people in his own weight class? Yeah, okay. Both. both. So they go by age and weight brackets. So he's Um, he's not facing like a 20-year-old dude that's 180 pounds. No, 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 no. That's that's tough on the body. But they took him like to, to, what is it, Brazil, I think. And he just got destroyed down there. And he got fed up. So he started his own tournament. He called it his John DuPont's Masters Wrestling Tournament. And they would these guys he'd get these big guy name guys to come in and they'd like they let him score a couple points on him, beat him, whatever, you know, it didn't really affect their real and like they would get paid off for it. Like that, he didn't know. That's like Putin shit. It is like Putin yeah. shit. And it's like when you have Putin on the on the hockey team scoring three goals against the against the Russian national exactly. team. Exactly, like it's the same kind of megalomania. Yeah, oh, that's crazy. Um, I didn't know that. I didn't know they actually competed in these things. Yeah, and well, it gets more buck wild. So, according to like former employees and resident wrestlers, Dupont would just become obsessed with different wrestlers at different times. Like you were saying, um, the Bulgarian guy, um, I can't pronounce his name. Yeah. Vino. This is a bad name episode, isn't it? Yeah. A <laughs> bit. It's, it's Vino, I think. Yeah. Um, was one of his obsessions. Dan Shade was for a while until he wasn't. Dave was absolutely one of his obsessions. He, he always had to be like in constant contact with them and he couldn't like share them with other people was the thing. Unless like their families. If say like if Dave was up at the house, he'd be like, "Oh, Vino's coming by. We're we're done for now." Oh, so there's no sharing of friends, it right? Was all like a one on one, one on one at all uh, times. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's and like yeah. they said that like they just hang out, watch TV, shoot pool. But it was almost like he was paying them to be their his friends. Like, and a lot of his paranoia stemmed from that. Like he didn't know who was really his yeah. friend or who was using him for his resources, and that got much worse. Um, He'd, he'd say stuff about Dave like there's tunnels all around the, the facility and Dave's in them and he's messing with me. Whoa. He's in the walls. Like, it's like stuff like that. He thought that his dad made these fake trees that Dave would hide in and hide behind. Like like Sh- DuPont's dad, made, like, he's, he's like, he made fake trees to, to confuse the horses. And he, he'd pull them in and he'd pull these guys in and like, and make him watch security footage. He put cameras all over. He had his own security force on the yeah. Facility. He, had, he had contractors there. Yeah. Yeah, but he he'd pull him in and he'd be like, "Do you see that? Do you see that on the tape?" And they'd be like, "I I don't know what you're talking about." And he's like, "Oh, it's just a happy little deer." 
but then he'd say stuff like it's a robot deer or it's somebody in costume it's it's dave's messing with me again man like his his paranoia there were signs yeah there were oh there were absolutely signs. he thought dave and another wrestler had a weather machine and could control the weather yeah like yeah i don't know how you could stay there honestly money I'm sure they were paid handsomely. Yeah, yeah, they were paid handsomely. Yeah, I mean, kept. you're basically housed it's, to do your life's passion. If you trade off for a couple hours of weirdo every week, yeah, maybe they'd do true. it. But that's just dude was unstable. Oh, absolutely. So he was he was a little uh, little racist there too, wasn't he? Yeah. So in the '90s, he just was completely against the color black, and he removed everything black from the farm, and that included. His always cool black clothing. Nobody could have black clothing. I think Dan Shade had a black car he had to get rid of. Hmm. Any black horses on the farm had to be gotten rid of. And this included the African-American athletes. Yeah. Like, I've, the one guy had just won the Olympics, or a world champion. He just won the Olympics. Um, so, I guess it was 92, probably 80. Or yeah, 92. Yeah. yeah. He was, like, he was on top of his game. He was a monster. And they had to call him up and be like, yeah, like, you're, you're going to be let go from the team and he was like what the fuck are you talking about and they're like they had to explain it like that he just had this paranoid breakdown and he just couldn't have black things That's on so far on people and it was weird it's it's really weird do you, do you think it was drugs so he had a cocaine habit they or, or it's it's believed he had a co- co- developed a cocaine habit and it fueled his paranoia some of the wrestlers like if they were at the, they said they could just hear him wandering around the house like the big sometimes they stayed at the big house right and they could just hear him wandering around like doing stuff he thought like he had bugs in his skin he would scratch uh-huh. himself till he bled and like do you just look down at yourself and it's like the mummy with the scarab beetles ah uh, yeah well cuz i was thinking when you think of like these super wealthy people and they have all these resources and they you hear these kind of uh, they just start yeah. spiraling down my first thought is like all right they're on some shit you know well right and yeah and he like he was and it but also like he just had yeah, Shit I mean, it's not on. gonna, it's not gonna help. Even, I mean, he may or may not have, who knows? But right. he, he definitely couldn't have helped his paranoia. That's Absolutely. beetles in skin, dude. Right. That's, like, that's that's crazy. That's shit. fucking crazy. Oof. Shit, dude. He pulled a gun on. So he wanted Dan Shade. I, I brought him up a lot, yeah. but that's because he's like, he's not afraid to talk about this. So one day he came up to Dan Shade. I don't think he even. Call, I don't think he came up. His lawyer called him, and he was like, "Hey." John wants you off the team. Uh, he parked a U-Haul outside of your place. You got to get out of here. Uh, and Dan was like, I'm not fucking leaving. Like, that's crazy. Like, we're, we're buddies. We're, we're fine. And he was, he's just having an episode. Yeah, he, exactly. He's just having an episode. And he stuck around and he went to the weight room. And he started lifting. And John DuPont came into the weight room and he pulled a gun on him and said, you can't fuck with me. Are you fucking guy? You gotta get the fuck out of here. What's wrong with you? You can't fuck with me. And Dan, Dan said, he just opened up his hands and he said, John, I'm your friend. I don't know what's going on that you're treating me like this, but I would never do anything to hurt you. And I guess he, he DuPont put the gun down and left the room. Like he just ran. He just ran from the training facility all the way back to the main house. Yeah. So he like shades like, all right, I gotta get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Um, I would too. <laughs> yeah, it's wild shit. So he called USA Wrestling. He, like he got his stuff and he left his. He he parked his van at Schultz's house, and okay. this this comes into play a little bit later. But he called USA Wrestling. They're on a conference call. He's like, or no, he flew out there. I'm sorry. 
and they got on a conference call and they're like, we, this is bad. Like we got, we had heard, they had heard rumors and stuff that was going on, but it was kind of like, it's a compound in there. Yeah. Like you're nothing, not, not really going to leak stuff out there. Right. Like, like nothing got, goes in, nothing comes out. Yeah. And, but they, they called like, they're like, all right, we have confirmation. Like, this is really bad. We got to talk about this. And Dave Schultz got on the conference call and he goes, my family and kids are here. My wife and kids are here. Do you think I would stay if I thought we were in danger? And that kind of, they were like, wow. All right. Like, if you think it's safe, all right. It's like, guys started leaving, but Dave stayed. And I said, he had this van outside of his house. And it was, it was like a U-Haul moving truck. Right. But it's clearly going to be Shade's van. Right. Or, yeah. And, and in DuPont's mind, he's like, oh, he's helping Shade. They're, they're collaborating against me. It's collusion. And it, like, like, there's some secret cabal trying to betray him. In his mind, like, he's, he's accusing Dave of betraying him. And he went to Dave's house, like, falling down drunk. And he told him, he's like, he confronted him about this, like, ac- accusations about it, betraying him. Like, and Dave's like, I don't know what you're talking about. We're friends. You know, I, I've never been anything but your friend. And, and like, Nancy was there, too, his wife. And she, she said, like, John was like, all right, fine. And when he went to leave, he fell and hit his head off the windowsill. And he's got this huge, he's like. Drunk as shit, then. Yeah, right? he's got this huge bruise. And he asked, like. And the next day, he's like, what the fuck happened? Like, DuPont didn't remember any of it. Mm. He's like, what happened? The one guy was like, you look like you got hit by a baseball bat. He came up with a story that Dan Shade had sold in him, because Shade was there, too, still. Mm. And, like, he was, because they'd been moving stuff all day. And he's like, well, I'll just crash and leave. But when the police, like, called, there, Dan and Dave were both like, no, nothing, that didn't happen. Like, he fell. He, he hit his head. And no charges came about it. But, like, they didn't investigate it any yeah. farther. Because, I mean, no criminal activity happens. And he's and he's a good buddy buddy with him, you know. He's buddies with. They're trading on his in his property. They're he's he thinks like he's above the law, for sure. They they talk about that a lot in these documentaries and these different articles I've read about how he just like he he regarded himself as royalty. So it was in January that there was a winter storm, and Dupont and his head of security were out for a drive to see where like trees had fallen, and when they went out, he took a video camera. And a pistol with him. And the head of security was like, well, that's weird. But, you know, he's an eccentric. Mm. And there's, you know, there's some people who carry everywhere. Right. And someone's on property, too. Right. But Schultz and his wife, Nancy, were outside. And when they drove by, all of a sudden, John picked up the gun, turned, and shot him. Yeah. Shot Dave. And this is, this is, a, it's sad. Um, Nancy said Dave was, when, he, when she turned him over, I mean, he was fading fast. Right. But he was sitting there doing these breathing exercises he used to do when he was training to like keep himself motivated and like as if he was like willing himself to live. Right. And then he just died. And she said she's like she kissed him on that she on the forehead or like on the lips and just was like I love you so much. I'll have a goodbye. And I was yeah. just like fucking ugly crying oh, watching man. this this morning. Yeah, he was shot three times: once yeah, in the arm, three. two in the chest. Yeah. Uh, and obviously there was a witness. <laughs> Yeah, there. several. Well, like the head of security, he jumped he, out of the car. He's like, "John, what the fuck are you doing?" He did it at three p.m. Yeah, three p.m. Out right outside, bright, down, bright broad daylight. You know, yeah. and then he just reversed the car and got back to the house. Yeah, I mean, he so he he was a gun collector. Yeah, nothing wrong with being a gun collector. No, it's but fine. Like my he, pop pop, he was unstable. You right. know, he had a lot of guns. He had he had, he had a thirty eight, and he, he popped him three times. He was just dude yeah. was just off his gourd and yeah, just terrible terrible gourd. outcome. I mean, you know. You mentioned he had paranoia. He had he had a lot of issues. He he thought he saw ghosts in his house. You know. He, yeah, like because they're real. Yeah, I think they're real. 
Do you? I do a little bit. Yeah. I live in an old house. I think it's real. <laughs> but uh, I, you know, yeah, maybe I got to be careful coming around. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of people say a lot of this stuff happened when his mom died in 1988. Right. It's when he started to become an eccentric. But yeah. obviously, this I, happened. I, in, this is 96, that, January 1996. Yeah, it's eight years later. Um, uh, yeah. I think he had paranoia all throughout. Yeah. And it just it just got worse and worse and worse. Yeah, he lost his support. You know, he didn't have any friends. He didn't have right. You know, a and then, big base. He just had his, his mom, really. Yeah, and then the friends that he had, or or you know, he never knew who was coworkers. Really. He didn't trust them. Yeah, coworkers. Not that's not the word, but you yeah, know what I mean. Is the people the people in his on his estate yeah. every day? But you know, I mean, this. So this was on January twenty sixth, nineteen ninety six, middle of the day. This yeah. happened. Uh, there was a standoff outside the estate. It lasted two days. Yeah, Two that's days. crazy. That's Waco shit, dude. It is. There were forty to fifty officers from the new from the Newtown uh, tactical squad, and there were also you know other SWAT team members as well, right. and members of, of the DA's office were on were on the combat. Well, that's a huge deal. Multimillionaire just shot and killed a fucking Olympic wrestler in broad daylight. You know, it's like you said, the police the police knew him. Yeah, and so this this must have been such a big shock to them. You know, it's he was holed up in his big house. Okay, yeah, the, the the big house, the big manor. <laughs> And he had three employees in the house with him, and they were communicating with the police. So they had a cell phone, which back right. in '96 was probably this super expensive big the giant. brick thing, you know. <laughs> but they were they were the communication line, and eventually that that first day they were able to escape. Um, yeah. But after that point, John wasn't answering his phone. He was just hauled in there. Uh, they assumed he had guns, you know, ready to go. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if he had any, like, ready to go for a fight. But he, you know, there but, was that threat. But that there, it, there was a threat. Yeah, could have been something. And they could they couldn't get through to him, uh, so you know w- the way to get him out was to make basically make him really cold. Yeah, like they they cut the boiler off on him. He yeah. called he called him and he was like, "Can you turn back on my boiler?" Yeah, dude, he was off his fucking mind. Well, like he th- he thought it was okay. He's like, "Can you just turn my heater on?" Yeah. Well, could I just come out and fix it myself then, or can you send some? When he would talk to him, he referred to himself as like, "You're you're on my holy land." I his holiness is upset. And stuff like that. And he kept saying, I'm trying to resolve an international matter. I have diplomatic papers. Like, he was, like you said, off his fucking gourd. Oh, man. Yeah, so so he walked from it. So the boiler was in a different house. Right? Yeah. It was a separate property. Yeah, separate so, property. So he, he basically convinced them that, well, they convinced him that it was okay to walk outside mm-hmm. and fix the boiler and go right back into your big house. And obviously they managed to get him as he was walking out. But... You know, really, it's really sad stuff. Like, you shoot your friend in your community. Yeah. Uh, you know, but the trial lasts for months. Um, obviously, a lot of the programs in Villanova took his name off things. And, yeah. Uh, you know, it was it was, it was was a rough trial for him. He started the trial, you know, all taken care of, all cleaned up. Uh, but then he let his hair grow out, his beard he grow out. He real disheveled. And, you know, so he... He, 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 he can come in and out on a wheelchair. Yeah, man, that, that's, that's tough. And... Um, so, like Schultz's supporters thought that he was trying to influence the jury. Yeah, but I'm I'm a crazy guy. Yeah, get that plea, that insane insanity plea. Yeah, well, I think I think I think he did plead guilty, and I think they no I, no he he pled not guilty. He pled he pled not guilty. So the trial, he was he, he put in a guilty plea. He put in a not guilty plea, but the verdict was uh, guilty but mentally ill. Right. Uh, which mean which meant the sentence had to, you know, it was at the judge's discretion basically. Yeah. And he was sentenced to thirteen to thirty years. And you know, he spent his, the rest of his life in jail, basically. Yeah, he died at seventy-two, I think. Mm-hmm. 
we were talking about earlier before we, we were on recording how Dave Schultz's daughter, when he died, like a bunch of people were celebrating. They were happy he died because of what he'd done. Right. And she, like, I can't imagine this compassion. Um, she was really sad because like, she said something along the lines of like, he went through life friendless and alone. He died that way too. And that's really sad to me. And I was like, good God, you are a strong woman. Yeah. I mean, he, that was his life's passion and it ended up tearing him down. I mean, he was, he, yeah. was, he was buried with his, uh, his red fox catcher singlet. Yeah. yeah. Like so, that's, that's nuts to me. I would never be buried uh, in a singlet. God. But spurn me on a boat, <laughs> push me out to sea. This is just my Viking you ancestors. Viking. Uh, but after he, after he passed, the farm was sold off and it was torn yeah. down, so it's, it's not there anymore. Uh, it's, it's such a sad piece of, piece of our time, isn't it? It is. And yeah, this isn't one of our funnier episodes. Um, we were going to try and goof a little bit, but it's just, as you talk about it, you're just really affected by how sad the whole thing is. Yeah, I mean, I feel, one, I feel bad for him because he was a crazy person and had a terrible life. I feel life. horrible for the Schultz family. I feel, I feel, obviously, you feel even worse for them. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a really bad episode. I mean, when he, <laughs> when he was in prison, he, he had the buildings painted matte black to reflect his depression. He had the, he had the, 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 the walls of his prison painted black? No, no, the farm buildings. Oh, the farm buildings. Oh, just from outside, outside the compound, like, yeah. a, like a mob boss, like a drug, like yeah, a drug cartel yeah, leader? Kinda, Everyone yeah. must know how I feel. Quick, paint the house black. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking jackass. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, that's about it on on the uh, the sad case of the of the, of the um, yeah. foxcatcher farmer. Yeah, right? sorry, this isn't one of our uh, uplifting, funny episodes. We'll we'll come back with one of those next week. Maybe that'll be yeah next week. So let's talk about next week's episode. It's gonna be our tenth ah, episode. Tenth episode. We couldn't do it without you guys. Yeah. Well, we could, but we wouldn't. Well, we might. Yeah. Well, with. Because of your your help and your yeah, insight, your, your continual support, you're um, you're gonna be the reason we're gonna have it the tenth episode. You're, you're gonna uh, choose it. Yeah. So we have put out a survey monkey on our social media outlets, um, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We'll sh- we'll continue sharing those, but we've given you options to choose our next topic. Right. Um, Wasn't the deadline for that Friday or Saturday? Oh, I'd say. Friday probably. For, yeah. You, you want to give them that long? Maybe, maybe Thursday. Yeah, Thursday. Thursday. We got to do research. Yeah, we got, we got, we got to read it up. <laughs> uh, right now, it looks like we're going to be doing something with PA food. Yeah, likely. Unless there's a big surge in the yeah, category. Uh, which I'm, it could hop, happen either hop, way. Who hop knows? on in there. Yeah, but you you will decide the next week's episode, and we're really excited for that. And we will probably try this on later down the road for other, other benchmark yeah, episodes. Yeah, get some more uh, listener engagement. Yeah. Because we like you guys, and we want you to like us. Yeah. Be our friends. Be our friends, just just like DuPont's friends. Yeah. We have paranoia, too. <laughs> uh, but it's, I'm, I'm really They're excited about walls. that. <laughs> oh, I'm really excited about that, too. Uh, yeah, man. All right, so, you know, definitely keep 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 those reviews coming in. Uh, we, like to look, we like to read those. And, uh, you know, send us emails. We like their feedback. But, yeah, we're really excited for uh, for this next milestone we're about to hit. Yeah. Bill, you want to tell me about our uh, our town name? Is it, is it a good one? Uh, it's okay. It's- Middling one? It's a borough. It's Cherry Tree, Pennsylvania. Cherry Tree, Pennsylvania? Cherry Tree. Where's that at? It is in Indiana County. So That's northwest? IUP area. Okay. So west. Just pretty much west. Central west. Apparently it's known as Cherry Tree because there was a big cherry tree there that marked the boundary between Penn Territory and Native American Territory. (laughs) Thou shalt not cross the Cherry Tree line. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, like there's a whole, there's actually a lot of history there. We maybe we should just yeah. do an episode it was, on it was, it was a big, tree. it was a big lumber 
Yeah, area. lumber, and there was a fort there. And, uh, yeah, yeah, pretty small community though, about less than a thousand people. Right? Yeah, it's it's not a real big borough. Um, most most boroughs are not. Yeah, uh, but it used to be known as Canoe Place. Canoe Place, but now it's Cherry Tree. I mean, there's a little creek there. Yeah, yeah, it's, that, it's not too that's far why? from the yeah. west branch of the Susquehanna. Cool. Yeah, the the cherry tree, Pennsylvania. Yeah. I shall not chop the cherry tree down, or I did right. not tell a lie. George, George Washington, you turd bird. George Washington. Washington. Oh. Uh, cherry- All right, well, now I'm done with you. <laughs> Washington, Pennsylvania. Oh, I know. I say that by accident. You've, you've heard me say it. Pull I know. It uh, well, that lighter set me on fire. No, don't. No, don't. <laughs> Will this work? see get that away get get that away from my mic i guess i'm not gonna die in a fiery conflagration uh well we'll think no bill (laughs) well (laughs) well, thank you guys for listening (laughs) yeah uh make sure to like and subscribe uh leave us reviews share with your friends family significant others and remember to vote for the next episode yeah vote and follow us on social media you know where to find us now um as always, we're on iTunes, Spotify, and all the other good junk. All the other good junk. <laughs> so, uh, thank, thank you much, Sean Estas. It's always a pleasure. Thank you, Bill. It's been a good one. We'll, uh, we'll try to be funnier next week. <laughs> well, pick a, pick a funny episode, guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, somebody said to me, they're like, you know, you did a, your Penn State episode's not very funny, but your comedy a podcast. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, they can't all be winners. <laughs> Well, if we we could have gone funny with the Penn State episode, but then I just would have felt icky making making I, like I jokes about. Jokes. Just too, I would have hit you. This is not no. It's not funny. There's not, not funny. funny. Yeah, and then, like it's. Know. I blame the world for being a dark world around us. And we yeah, can't laugh. We I don't can't, blame. It's not our fault. Can't always be sucks. a bright spot. <laughs> not goddamn Derek <laughs> Zoolander out here. <laughs> Welcome to Zoopander. Welcome to Zoopander. Well, but all right, uh, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Well, well, thanks for listening. I've been. I'm Anastas. I'm Bill, and we've been the Uncomfortable Podcast. <laughs>